Real Marketing Rap is brought to you by Tim Bush and me, Joe Edwards. And we talk about everything marketing. We'll tell you as it is, jargon free and no BS. We'll have guests every week from high rollers to first starters, all from different industries and disciplines within the marketing world. We're here to set the record straight with nothing but marketing realness. Hey, welcome to episode three, season two of the Real Marketing Rap podcast. Great to be back. We've got a, a fantastic episode lined up. Um, we actually have a guest as well, which is fantastic. We've got Maria Gardner from Psychology Works, who's sharing a host of great tips, tricks and, and advice around uh, how marketeers can, uh, can think a little differently about how they engage with their communities. Uh, great to be back, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. And like really... Um excited about this particular um podcast not that i'm not excited about the other ones but this this brings a little bit of a different flavor to marketing in, in that of um in that of psychology and and uh, it's always been a very uh, kind of interesting topic for me and i i uh, i wish i'd have spent more time um in that field i think it would have um done me better as a marketer but i i'd like to say that i'm fairly well read up on it but obviously not of a a doctorate or phd level but but um give it time joe give yeah it time. maybe one yeah. day maybe one day. <laughs> awesome but uh, yeah it's a, a fantastic interview and uh, i guess rather than us uh, kind of droning on about it should we uh, should we jump straight into the interview yeah absolutely Awesome, here goes. So today we've got Maria Gardner um, as our interviewee. I've uh, worked with Maria on a couple of projects um, in the past and have always um, kind of loved the whole kind of psychology piece of, of marketing, which is why... Um, We've asked Maria to come along. Maria um, is a business psychologist kind of specialising in leadership assessment and development. Um, and uh, I, I will let Maria, thank you for coming along. Really, really appreciate it. But I'll, I'll let you um, kind of do a bit, bit more of an introduction on, on what you've been up to and, and I guess your kind of career today. would be great as to ways to start. Okay, sure. Uh, well, yeah, great to uh, to be here and chatting to you today. Uh, so, yes, I've been a business psychologist for, I think, about 18 years. So, did the traditional route of psychology degree, did my master's, um, uh, and then have, you know, been f very fortunate to have worked with some really quite exciting and innovative uh, consultancies uh, during my time before setting up my own business two years ago. Um, so in summary, I tend to work across both assessment and leadership. So in assessment, I help companies find the right person for the right job. Um, so that can be um, design of the interview process. That can be the personality questionnaires, ability tests. So designing those um, as well as actually helping recruit the assessment process. Uh, then on the leadership side, I've done a lot of leadership development, working all the way from first level leaders going, ah, what do I do? Um, to the kind of senior execs, you know, kind of doing the more serious strategy, you know, business change type of stuff. Yeah. Change is always uh, an interesting piece of uh, work generally, I think. Like I've definitely been through a few uh, change processes within organisations and, and it's never simple. And 
but be um, an understatement, Joe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I know, like Tim, you've worked in a couple of big organisations. Uh, I have too, and it, 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 the amount of grey area is unbelievable, and it definitely, it definitely doesn't help people um, make that change. No, and I think that's where I, I try to come in is, uh, you know, often a lot of the work I've done has been when business have been going through a lot of change. And, you know, my job is to come in and, like I said, typically work with leaders to help take their people through that. Yeah. And you know, I've worked with organisations that have downsized. So they've then, you know, they've suddenly got a much smaller leadership population. So how do we upskill these guys and help them take on more responsibility? Or they're going something through much bigger, say going through a restructuring or a merger. And, you know, then there's as much the personal journey for them as well as, again, how do they take their people through that? And my job is to go, well, actually, what's, what skills do they need to do that? What's the mindset they need? What are the communication skills they need? And often at times, how do they actually, how do they sell yeah. the, the vision? Yeah, sure. <laughs> a bit sure. marketing comes in there. Yeah, cool. And I guess that's, that's a, an amazing segue. It's like you've done this before. But we, <laughs> we've obviously spoken um uh, in the past about you know as a as a marketer I've always had an interest um in psychology um you know I remember being at um at college and learning about semiotics and that was probably one of my first sort of uh pieces of the 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 puzzle and then I went in to do some of sports psychology and a little sociology um and always loved design and all those things were you know had a a, a an element of it and I, I'm a firm believer that um, you know any good marketer should be interested in psychology to some degree um, and you've obviously spoken about the flip side of the coin where you are a psychologist and you've always had an interest in marketing but really interested to hear like what what your interests have been in marketing what what the things that kind of sort of tick your boxes I guess. Mm, yeah. Well, ironically, I think, yes, if I hadn't have been able to pursue a career as a psychologist, I think I would have gone into marketing. Because, um, you know, for me, psychology is all about understanding why people do what they do. You know, what is it that makes them tick? Why do they behave in a particular way? Why do they say what they do? And, you know, my job as a business psychologist is applying that in a work context. So yeah. I mentioned about helping people be better leaders. Um, and I think it was really out of that work. Uh, I said really working with some of these companies that are going through kind of quite significant change is how do we um, communicate or influence or, you know, in reality at times persuade um, in the most effective way. And, you know, I remember when I, I was doing a lot of leadership courses and, you know, just kept coming up, you know, how do people have these difficult conversations uh, and I think so. My my holiday reading at the time was a book um, by uh, I think I think he's a professor, um, Robert Levine, and he did a book called The Power of Persuasion: How We're Bought and Sold. Uh, and that was a really kind of fascinating adventure um, in the journey of, of of sales and marketing. That yeah. Um, the the book came from uh, I think a daughter or salesman came by and he came out and out of that interaction go hang on a minute I've just bought something that I really really don't need how <laughs> on earth did that happen um so this book was his personal journey to actually learn about how we were bought and sold how are we marketed to you know what are the buttons that marketeers um press 
to elicit a particular behavior. Um, so, I mean, he literally, he learned how to be a daughterable salesman. He learned how to sell cars. Yeah. Um, he even looked at charities and the Hare Krishnas, you know, how do they get donations? Um, that he even interviewed people that had uh, been drawn into cults. You know, how do people find themselves in that situation? And what are the tools that people use um, to draw people in? And, you know, whether it's to sell a washing machine or, or, or kind of sell an alternative lifestyle. Um, and then from that came across a book called Gialdini called um, Persuasion, which is, um, you know, just a really, really influential, really important book. Yeah. Um, and in reality, is I, I also need to know how to how to sell and how to market things uh, as part of the day job. You know, ultimately, um, I also need to um, be out there and sell my services and win clients. Um, so it's, you know, capturing my interest on in multiple levels. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess I think we've all agreed that psychology is an important part of marketing. Um, how how can learning more about psychology help though like what are the what are some of the things that you think um understanding more about the about how people tick uh, can really help people's marketing efforts i i mean i think what's great is there's a lot of stuff out there and i think with the uh the growth of social media there's a lot more out there and a lot more interest in uh the psychology of things and you know i see you know that you know, if you look at marketing, there's lots of things about, you know, the use of font, colours, um, how to how to write labels. Um, you know, so do you say it's 75% fat free or do you say it's actually got 25% fat? It's the same information, but the brain processes it completely differently. Um, so I think marketers are definitely using psychology on a day to day basis. But I think there is scope to look at it at a much deeper level. Ultimately, the brain is wired to be. I'm not going to say lazy, but it's designed to be quite efficient in terms of what it spends its time on. Um, so it means, you know, that's where stereotypes come from. You know, we have lots of rules or shortcuts or associations that we're using on an unconscious level uh, that if you have a good understanding of what those are as a marketer, um, you can take advantage of those. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, for example, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Uh, is is a great a great book for anyone yeah, I've read to, that to read. One. I've read that one. That was a really good one. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff coming out of the public domain now um, to actually really understand um, how we think on a deeper level, um, which I don't think 10, 15 years ago was as accessible. Yeah. Um, I think some of these books aren't necessarily um, targeted to marketeers, so there is a bit of looking at it what are the you know what is it telling us and then you've got to take it away and apply it to your own your own work you know whether that's uh online visual auditory you know kind of tv radio etc sure. sure interesting i guess with all that kind of in mind um your experience kind of working with with organizations particularly around kind of driving change um are there any kind of like practical tips that you could maybe share for for kind of helping um navigate some kind of um you know difficult maybe almost like gatekeepers within an organization mm -hmm. that are kind of pushing back on on that change because um 
you know, obviously the the kind of external comms piece is is really exciting and interesting. But I, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, as Joe mentioned, working in some big organisations, sometimes getting yeah. even the most trivial little thing um, changed or moved internally is 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 a huge huge challenge. And I think I, I'm almost saying this a bit selfishly in a way, because I'm I'm keen to get some tips myself. But um, <laughs> you know, is there any kind of uh, you know practical tips or guidance you can share about how how to kind of perhaps structure and, and frame the activity? Sure, yeah. So I think uh, what's interesting, if you look, as you say, more at the kind of external marketing piece, we talk a lot about um, user personas, Mm -hmm. this idea of understanding your audience, then tailoring your message to the audience. Yeah. That absolutely applies in an internal, you know, kind of um, face-to-face context. You know, so, you know, whoever you're trying to influence, um, you know, think about your audience. You know, what's, you know, what is their agenda? Uh, you know, what are their hopes and concerns? What might be their possible objections? Um, and tell, you, tell your, your message to your audience, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Think about the language that they tend to use and tell your own to match theirs. Also, you know, if we start thinking about different personality types, then is this person someone that the details are really important or actually is it the big picture that gets them excited are they the kind of person that actually needs to know in advance what you want to talk to them about you know do they need a bit of thinking preparation reflection time or actually are they someone that you can kind of the best chance of getting to say yes is to kind of catch them on the fly mm. <laughs> because they're kind of uh, <laughs> heading to the elevator sneaky um, that is sneaky yeah, yeah. and again <laughs> in, in your experience um do you find it's the folks that are the devil in the detail or or the big picture kind of type people that um typically prove to be the hardest to to kind of influence oh i i, I don't think it's either or i think typically we like people that are like us mm-hmm. so we're more we're more likely to be influenced by people that are like us so if you're a detailed person, you'll probably find it easier to influence another detailed person. And, you know, if they're a big picture person, then you're probably going to find it a bit more difficult to talk their language. So yeah, I'd say in terms of what's easier, or more difficult, I think it's more about uh, similarity mm-hmm. than one particular person, um, per, you know, personality type being more difficult or easy to influence. Yeah, makes sense. Are there any kind of books or additional reading that um, that folks could maybe dig into around uh, getting a better understanding of how to to kind of um, you know mirror the person you're you're trying to influence? If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're talking about um, thinking about um, from a personality point of view, then I think anything around Young's personality types. Um, is a good start. That's kind of quite a nice, simple framework. So that talks about whether someone's big picture or detail, mm-hmm. um, whether they like, uh, whether they're more of an introvert, extrovert. Um, so for a personality point of view, that's a good start. If we're talking more about how to influence and persuade generally, um, then the book I mentioned earlier um, by um, Robert Cialdini, um, Persuasion, that is, I'd say, a bit of a... Um, bit of a bible when it yeah, comes to you um, just added that to my kindle uh, uh reading list nice one yeah <laughs> i mean I've, I've 
I mean, what's come out of it, and you, you know, I'd say maybe a Google search is a good place to start, is six key principles on how to persuade and influence. And again, what's interesting when I look at marketing, I see a number of these in action. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of talk now um, with regards to social media talking about social proof. So we look to other people. Uh, you know, if we're not sure about something, then we look to see what other people are doing. So, for example, how many LinkedIn recommendations somebody got or how many likes has a post got? You know, and if there's a lot of other people liking it, then we're like, mm, OK, well, that's probably an OK way to go. You know, similarly, if you're on holiday and you're trying to decide a restaurant and you, you walk down the promenade and you see one restaurant with a couple of people and then your next one's got like, you know, people overflowing, you know, literally kind of um, on the pavement. You think, OK, well, that's clearly the place to eat. That, that came up, um, some of that kind of consensus social proof stuff came up in um, the fast and slow thinking mm. um, as well. And he was saying that basically we're just lazy. So if we see somebody else do it, we're more than likely just going to do what they do so we don't have to make the decision. Yeah, that's exactly it. As I say, you know, our, our brain is wired up to, I say, I'm saying efficient. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yes, it's, it, ultimately we are wired to be quite lazy. You know, we're, we're quite discerning as to what, to, what we want to spend our, our attention on. Uh, and if we can find a shortcut, um, then, then absolutely we'll do it. And, you know, these, these influencing principles that Cialdini identified are absolutely those shortcuts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we like people that are like us. You know, we like to be consistent. Um, we defer to experts. You know, you stick Kelly Brook in a, in a lab coat. Uh, and the next minute she's, you know, she's selling what um, I think it was dishwashers. And apparently doing quite a good job of it as well. Um, uh, who'd have thought uh, Kelly Brook would ever be considered an expert in dishwashers? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you take the power of celebrity, stick a white lab coat on her, uh, yeah. and all of the subconscious associations that we make with the white lab coat, uh, and, yeah. and yeah, you know, she's selling us something. Amazing. Um, so, so yeah, I think Cialdini, Kahneman, um, Another book that I've come across recently, which I think is is really good, um, is Webs of Influence, The Psychology of Online Persuasion. Uh, and I've no idea if I'm pronouncing her surname right, but it's Natalie, I think, Nahi. Yeah. N-A-H-I, uh, sorry, A-I. Um, and again, I like that because it's taking the science, but putting it in quite an accessible form. Uh, and that's, I think, sometimes the challenge for psychological research, that it is, there's some really good stuff in there. But it's not always a light read or an easy read. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I must admit, for me, the thinking fast and slow was a tough one for me, being <laughs> being being the, the fool that I am. Uh, it was it was it was a, it was really, really interesting, but not the easiest to read. Yeah. And I'd say that this, that's exactly the same for the Cialdini book. Now, yeah. he did do a follow up book called The 60 Secrets from the Science of Persuasion. And, right. and that's kind of like Cialdini light. So that's um <laughs> I'll start there then. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I'd I'd read the sixty secrets. Uh, and if that's where you're appetite and you want to know more, then I'd I'd go in for the full the the full book. Yeah. Cool. That's interesting. Um just going back to I guess really what you do, um you've obviously you've started working with these organizations with the HR departments, um and, and, you know, to help their staff getting a better understanding of themselves in their working environment. What what have been the business goals? Like, why why do these businesses kind of undergo these programs? And, and I guess kind of what are some of your 
observations like what's mm-hmm. what works what uh, you know it's kind of what organizations seem to kind of get it and and are effective and and what organizations it where does it feel like it's been a bit tougher I guess mm. um I mean I, I do this because you know I get a real kick out of helping people and uh, you know helping them realize their potential um but I mean that in itself is not a sufficient organizational goal yeah um, <laughs> um but I mean ultimately you know one of the, the the biggest resources that any company can have both physically and also looking at um you know financially is their people you know whatever you do you're ultimately you're you're delivering your business goals through your people so if you know if you had in an expensive sports car you'd want to you'd want to look after it properly you'd make sure you put in the expensive petrol and it you know had its MOT and got serviced regularly so for me it's it's the same analogy with you know an organization if you want to be as effective as possible if you want to realize those business goals then you've got to look after your 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 biggest resource and that's your people so what do you need to do to give that resource the right skills the right tools the right mindset they need uh, to do their job as effectively as possible um and like i said a lot of my work's been with leaders so for, for that it's going okay well if they're a leader of you know if they're a leader of people then you know what do they need to do to um be able to have effective conversations to be able to put together a good team you know to to sell a vision um but also then enabling them to do all of these things in the context of actually delivering business results yeah um and and like i say you know i've i've worked with organizations on quite a few occasions where they're going through change so it's enabling um you know giving them the tools uh to kind of go through that change and take take their people through that change as well cool and the work that you're um that you're doing you um typically working with um startups where you know it's a fairly blank canvas and and kind of thinking differently about how they um develop and nurture their people um you know arguably has the biggest impact because they're doing it right um from the beginning if you like or, or are you typically working with larger organizations where you know the, the kind of bad habits have crept in and uh, and it is about kind of then kind of um you know reshaping the thinking internally it typically tends to be with larger organizations and i think to certain extent that's just from a financial point of view um you know ultimately i tend to be the specialist that hr people bring in when they realize that actually you know what they're looking to do is beyond the skill set that they have uh, in house startups tend to have very small hr team if any hr at all so yeah. a startup <laughs> wouldn't necessarily know that you know someone like me is out there uh, mm. to help them to, to kind of get it right um uh, and yes you know with lo- larger organizations also with me coming in from the outside um i can sometimes say the things or do the things that an internal person can't i c- i can give the tough feedback i can have the difficult conversation without the same concern of repercussions um so there was one company that I worked with where we had a leadership program and every so often I'd be given someone they go oh this person's been seen as a rising star inverted commas um can we give them to you um either because you know maybe this person isn't quite as as good as they've been led to believe 
uh, and they kind of need some feedback to actually uh, put things in balance, shall we say. Um, uh, or, you know, actually genuinely they are got that, that good, but they, they need that extra depth and insight that I can give that um, someone who is less specialist uh, wouldn't be able to provide. Um, so, yes, generally larger organisations. Um, I mean, as, as much as we say, people are an organisation's biggest resource. They're the most expensive resource. And in reality, smaller organisations don't tend to have a lot of spare cash to invest in people when they first get started. Um, you know, I think startups, the, the enthusiasm and, and passion for, you know, that particular product or service is what gets them through the first few years. And it's once things, you know, they start to grow and suddenly realize that actually this operating model is not going to take us through our next phase of growth. Yeah. That again, that's the point where they think, right, okay, we need a bit more help here. Yeah. This is not sustainable. We need someone like you to come in and, and kind of help out. Yeah. 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 Oh, makes sense. Okay. So fine, final one, well, final two, the mm -hmm. one, one around personal branding, obviously, you, we were talking um, obviously prior to this podcast about some of the work that you're doing around that. So what are your kind of views on personal branding and, and that kind of side of life? I guess, you know, Tim and I are trying to do a little bit of that through this mm -hmm. through this podcast to, to some extent. Um, but what you, you mentioned, I guess, that you've been working with some people on personal branding and how it should be done and that kind of stuff. So have you got any tips around that? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I've, I've been working with aspiring business psychologists for years in terms of helping them kind of uh, break into what's a, a, you know, quite a difficult industry to get into when you first get started. Um, and then lastly, you know, um, work with organisations that are going through through change, um, potentially mergers, potentially people applying for their jobs or people just looking to wanting to progress. And it's going, well, actually, how do you differentiate yourself from your competition? You know, if you are up against someone else for one, you know, for for a job, how do you set yourself apart? You know, what what is your brand? You know, as as you yourselves know, is that we all have a brand. It's just whether or not we've taken control of it and are we actually actively managing it. Um, so, I, I really think I, I'm seeing a real explosion in an inter in the interest in personal brands. And again, I think the use of social media has been a, it has had a, a big part to play in that. Um, so, you know, for me, top tips when I think about the people that I'm working with, it's be aware you have a brand, yep. whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, and that's something I'd often, you know, kind of say to leaders is like, look, you know, be aware that everything you do, everything you say or don't say contributes to how people think and perceive you. Yeah. So, you know, what, you know, what perception do you want people to have of you? Um, and the, the people that I've been working with, you know, will do stuff such as looking at their career histories to think about, you know, the work that they've really enjoyed or not enjoyed quite so much. You know, what was it about that? We spend some time thinking about their values. You know, what is it that's actually really important to them about their skills and experience and put that together. Go, well, actually, what sets you apart? What makes you special? You know, even if you can do the same thing as everyone else, what is it about how you do it that makes you unique? And then once, you know, we've got an idea of actually what, you know, what it is that sets them apart, how do we actually then communicate that? You know, how do you, uh, 
convey that. Um, it's funny, I remember working with someone uh, who's in the kind of telecommunications industry a few years ago, and he walked in, he had a really snazzy shirt and a very fancy man bag, and it was a larger than life character. And you know, love a really... man bag, love a man bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and you know, he clearly already had a very strong visual brand, but yep. actually, the problem was, is he now needed to go beyond that to go, you know what, I'm more than a snazzy shirt and a man bag, you know, I've got depth, you know, yep. I'm actually you know, uh, really good at this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's an example for me of how he needed to take, you know, he developed a brand. He was uh, recognizable. You know, he had a personality within a very large organization where it can be quite easy to get lost in the noise. Yeah. But he needs to take control of it to go, you know what? I've got substance. I'm not yeah. just style. Cool. That's in, that's, that is interesting. So final, well, yeah, I said final two questions, but there's actually three. So the next one is your favorite hip hop track. Oh, it is a real marketing rap. We are trying to build our yeah. brand. No, I was, I was thinking about this and I'm, I'm definitely a 90s hip hop girl. You know, for me, that was the kind Golden of classic era. Classic era. And when I when, when when I saw that question, the first one that came to mind was uh, Dr. Dre. OK. Uh, next episode. Just nice. that, that intro you know, when the, when the yeah. song first drops. And when it first came out, I was actually living in Atlanta. Yeah. And I saw him on tour live. Wow. Um, you know, so there was cool. Dre That's there, cool. there was Snoop, there was Nate, there was Eminem. Uh, you know, he was just coming out on the scene. Yeah. Um, and it was nice. just so iconic, so memorable that if I've got to pick a track, That's that would be, that would be the one. It's a good one to pick. That's going straight in the playlist. nice um maria like thanks for your time really really appreciate um and sharing some of your knowledge and uh, you've obviously been kind enough to pretty much write the entire show notes as well so we'll be making sure that those go on um go on the uh, website with all the kind of relevant links to the books that you've mentioned finally what how do people find find you Oh, um, I'm in most of the usual places. Um, so on Twitter as Maria Gardner UK, uh, and you can find me that way on LinkedIn as well. Um, I've got my own personal blog that I've, it's got been a bit neglected recently, um, but it's probably good insight into my world and that's uh, Musings of an Oxide Geek. Um, uh, but my company name is Psychology Works. So that's how you'll find me on Instagram um, and my business website. Although just as a note, that is under construction at the moment. Okie dokie. Cool. Well, look, Maria, really appreciate your time. As I said, thanks. Thanks very much. And um, we will talk soon. We will get another project underway, no doubt. That would be great. Cool. It's really good to talk to you both. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Cool. So really good interview, Tim. Really enjoyed listening to Maria. And uh, there's definitely a lot of books there um, worth worth reading with. Maria was kind enough to um, pretty much write the entire um, interview before before starting. So we're going to make sure those now go into um, this week's um, podcast. Um, I'm definitely one that I've read and and would highly recommend is um, Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. I think I said in the interview a, a little bit of a tough read, but but definitely worth uh, definitely a good read and. and have definitely read that book and thought about how I can apply that to 
to my marketing um, activities and that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I must admit, although you know you've been kind of quite passionate about this space for for some time, I have to admit I'm I'm fairly new to it. So um, yeah, definitely uh, opened my eyes to uh, some new ways of thinking. And uh, yeah, the credit card's going to take a bit of a hit uh, lining up all of those books on my Kindle. But um, yeah. but yeah, it has to be done. There's some some really great stuff there. So uh, yeah, looking forward to to jumping into that a bit more myself. And uh, yeah, it would be uh, great to have Maria back on the show, maybe for, for season three, just to uh, pick up sounds on some like, of the ideas further. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. So awesome. I guess like talking about what's been going on or things that I've definitely picked up on um, over the last uh, couple of weeks since the last podcast was this whole Nike, uh, or Nike, should I say, Dream Crazier um, campaign that they're doing. I think I think when you look at that campaign versus um, things like the Gillette ad and how how that Gillette ad has been perceived in the market, it, it's caused a bit of controversy. Whereas this Dream Crazier, they've definitely managed to um, kind of hit the nail on the head um, and really kind of target the audience in a really positive way. But I guess what's been really interesting is then when you look at that Dream Crazier ad and then you look at the homemade Tony Hawk video, um, it's been crazy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, first off, the, the Nike ad, you know, is absolutely incredible. I mean, really emotionally engaging piece of, of content. Um, yeah, I think they've just done a fantastic job there. But um, but yeah, also interesting to see uh, Tony Hawk come out with... Um, you know, some organic content, which, um, you know, also kind of pulls the heartstrings a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, his daughter, um, you know, embracing skateboarding and, and kind of uh, taking that risk to uh, go down the ramp for the first time. But, um, yeah, I think there's some, some interesting learnings there in terms of some of the stats. Yeah, I think when you look at the stats, so when I last looked at this, Nike had about 28 million video views. Tony Hawk's had 15 million but if you're going to talk about the cost per view um, on that piece of content, you know, Tony Hawk's is effectively zero. And I'm sure Nike would have, one, spent a fairly decent amount of money pulling that content together. And then I'm sure they've um, put some paid media spend behind it. So I'm sure when you look at the efficiency of the content, um, Tony Hawk's is going to win hands down. But it also kind of says that, you know, Tony Hawks's content, there is no, really, there's no ulterior motive. Obviously, there's a bit of personal branding piece in there, I'm sure. But really, all he's doing is celebrating his daughter, um, achieving something f- for the first time and, and overcoming her fears. Whereas Nike have obviously have an intent to sell more gear. Um, so they are, they are different pieces of content. So it's while it's nice to compare the two things, I think it's unfair to um, judge them that it's not apples for apples, I guess, is what I'm saying. No, for sure. I mean, ultimately, you know, it's a, it's a home video that was shared on the internet and, and, and kind of blew up. And, uh, you know, it kind of leads to that interesting conversation I'm sure you've been involved in um, with, um, with sort of senior leadership at companies you've worked for, where it's like, we want to create a viral video. It's like, well, yeah. actually, no, you just need to create some engaging, relevant content and you know, 
by doing that, you're going to find something that, that kind of resonates with your community and, and gets that kind of scale and reach you're looking for. It's, it's very yeah. hard to kind of plan and, and kind of push out a viral video. But, um, no. but yeah. I, I think the reality is you can't, you can't, viral by its very nature is a bit of a mistake yeah, or absolutely. something that yeah. happens without you wanting it to happen. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely um, somewhat unplanned. But <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think the message is create, share, a, you know, have a aim to uh, it's actually something I was speaking to um, somebody recently is like when you're creating content try and think about the conversation two people are going to have about that piece of content Mm. and then it will become shareable and if you can think about what that conversation is going to be before the content's even kind of made you've probably got yourself on a better footing to make something a little bit more shareable yeah totally totally and you know it goes but i think we've kind of spoken to this before on the show this kind of idea around the kind of top of funnel content around sort of share or solve don't sell and yeah you know i think probably with the nicad it's it's probably also share solve and celebrate in terms yeah. of you know the, the community that you're you're kind of um part of you know not selling into per se but you know the community you're part of and i think that's what nike's done so well you know they've got great storytelling it's emotionally engaging it's celebrating you know the the community and yeah i think it was just a, a fantastic um you know bit of a uh, bit of advertising from those guys but um but yeah obviously very different to you know a, a home video that was placed online that that blew up yeah yeah absolutely cool yeah well that is uh season two episode three uh, done and dusted it's another another good one, really really chuffed, and it's nice. We've got some, uh, we've actually got some um, other interviews um, lined up. So we're going to be covering off what's kind of a little bit more of my world um, over the next uh, few episodes. I'm hoping we've got um, a couple of people in the kind of sports uh, and communications, advertising and marketing space, and and you know digital space as well. Um, so I'm really excited about those um, coming up. And, yeah, um, really looking forward to those. Very cool. Yeah, uh, the final shout out is please, please rate us on um, on iTunes. It'd be uh, really appreciated. Try and get our rankings up there. We know there are many really good other really good podcasts, but um, we'd like to get ours a little bit more known. So appreciate Indeed, any support yeah. of the uh, of the listeners of the five star variety. Would be uh, would be fantastic. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Right. Good stuff, Joe. Pleasure as always. All right. Looking mate. forward to the next one. Yeah. Speak soon, dude. Ta-da. Take it easy. Bye. Thanks for listening to Real Marketing Wrap. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to share the word. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe and Tim at T Bush. Big shout out to DJ Tiger Style for the music. You can check him out on DJTigerStyle.com. For more about us, join our WhatsApp group. You can check that out on realmarketingwrap.com. Peace out, people, and keep it real till next time. the bloopers well you you guys are my first ever podcast so um
Oh, that's cool. So you 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 pop my podcast cherry, so to speak. Well, you're a natural. That is going, that is yeah. going in the outtakes. Yeah. Straight away. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs>